0: Awesome, thank you. Hey, everybody. Rashad, Composable Reader. Hi, Rashad. This is so weird to be in a live OA meeting. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Hi, everybody in Zoom land. Uh, Congratulations on 30 days. It's a big deal. Let me say a quick third step prayer. God, I offer myself to the, to build with me. Feel free to join in. To build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Believe me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them, may witness, those of the help, for that power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. All right. It's always good for me to do that when I get up here and get centered. If you can hear me out there and Zoom in, give us, give us a thumbs up. Um. Rashad Compulsive Overeater. I've been in a program for six years now. Uh, My abstinence is abstaining from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. Um, More specifically, sugar is my jam. And um, I'm sponsored in this program. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many sponsees I have right now. They call. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, I think I have two guys that are actively working it right now. I'm grateful for that. Um, I have a food plan. My food plan is uh, three meals a day and two optional snacks. And um, I think that's all the qualifying stuff. I'm the sugar addict, 100 pounder, childhood obesity, cross addicted, compulsive overeater. And I tend to get focused on the negative. So I'm gonna quickly state a few gifts of the program that I've received since getting abstinent and staying around. And so in case I forget to share that stuff. But uh, some really, some really, really good, strong gifts of the program: practical tools to put some distance between me and my alcoholic pool, foods; tremendous amount of weight loss and maintenance over the years; uh, freedom from foodborne diseases, which was a problem for me when I came in; um, ability to see my part, perfectionism, the fear, self-centeredness, people-pleasing, the big shotism, the need to be right, all of that stuff; uh, the ability to be completely self-supporting. You guys taught me how to do that here. Uh, the ability to maintain a job—I've had the same job now about five years—and to me, there's no coincidence. I think it has something to do with abstinence and sobriety and clarity. Um, the ability to maintain a home—when I came in here, I was sleeping on my grandmother's couch—and uh, you guys taught me how to get a home and to pay the bills and to keep it. Um, and ultimately, just the clarity of choice—like I have really two choices: I'm either staying close to my higher power and enlargening my spiritual life or I'm giving into that addict that will reach out to anything to really self-soothe or to to soothe. So that could be food, sex, spending, drugs, alcohol, validation. I love external validation, you know, whatever it is. So uh, those are all the gifts of the program. So if I don't say anything else, um, if you're new and you don't hear anything else, the program works if you work it, and ultimately, the solution is in the steps. Um, so what it was like. Thanks, Lucy, for asking me to speak, by the way, and thanks everyone for that's uh, here and doing service and all of the, uh, the long timers that have been coming here and holding down this space for a long time. Really appreciate you guys. Um, so what it was like. Childhood obesity. Um, I remember about the age of eight or nine, I went to the doctor and my my weight was an issue. And that's when the that's when the dieting started. Um, my happy moments as a child are going to my grandmother's house, eating the sweet treats, the pancakes and the cream of weed and, and sneaking off to the store to get my powdered donuts and all of that good stuff. That's what I think about when I think about happy and joyous times in my childhood. And um, you know, the uncomfortable, sad stuff is going into the locker room and having to take my shirt off so they could check my back for scoliosis, going out to the play field and doing the presidential fitness challenge, um, coming up last, being the last guy I picked for the uh, for the teams. You know, that's, that's the stuff I think about when I think about sadness. I came into this world as a little bit messy. Um, I came into a world of uh, alcoholism and uh, bulimia and diabetes and crack addiction and untreated Al-Anon, you know, I didn't necessarily have that vocabulary growing up, but you guys have taught me that vocabulary. And that's, that's the world that I was born into in terms of the, my loved ones. Um, what you guys have taught me is that that doesn't actually make me a compulsive overeater. What makes me a compulsive overeater is that when I put certain substances into my body, I have an allergic reaction and an obsession of the mind. And um, I want more. You know, and um, I uh, lost a bunch of weight in high school. That part of my story is important because I spent most of my life trying to chase that feeling when I lost all that weight and got the girlfriend for the first time and was rolling with the players and, you know, all that that good jazz that comes along with that. But, uh, you know, that's when it really clicked for me that people would treat me differently based on the way that I looked. And uh, I spent most of my adult life trying to chase that feeling. I did a lot of things. I experimented with drugs. I did a geographic. I thought a woman would solve me. I thought a certain number of my W-2 would solve it. Um, you know, nothing solved it. I'm the type of compulsive reader that drives to whatever place in the middle of the night to get my, my treat. Um, I'm the type of compulsive overeater that knows where to get the best red velvet cake in town. <laughs> I'm the type of compulsive overeater where the the servers know my name. You know, they know my name. Um, I know where to get the donuts when they hit freshly off the uh off the the thing. You know, um, what happened was is I, I sort of got all these things that I thought uh, I wanted, and I didn't um that didn't fix it. My life got really small. I was around a lot of people, I had a girlfriend, um, but I just like wasn't happy, you know, I wasn't happy and I got money and instead of binging out on the 99 cent menu at Wendy's, I went to fancier places Um, and I hit some sort of spiritual bottom. I don't exactly know how to describe it, but I hit some sort of bottom and I basically blew up everything positive that was going on in my life. I did a transfer at the job, which wasn't advantageous I broke up with the girlfriend, not like a gentleman. And um, I gave up my little luxury apartment in Orange County when it was all my grandmother's plastic covered couch in South Central Los Angeles. As a 30 something year old man, it was very clear to me that something had gone awry. And my best ideas about how to stay sober and how to get absent and how to live life, they weren't working. And um, it was suggested that I get sober so I got sober. I went to a program for that. My drug of choice is marijuana and sugar. And um, I started getting into the steps and I started getting feelings. And When I got feelings, it was lovingly suggested that I eat some ice cream, <laughs> 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 grab some chocolate they said. <laughs> I listened to that. <laughs> I ate a lot of chocolate. I ate a lot of ice cream. I took a lot of snack commitments. I, was <laughs> the, I would come to the meeting with two pizzas, one for the meeting and one for me. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> so I would go to my sobriety meetings and I would uh, hear what I needed to hear and come down off that high of being around fellows and didn't have anything to do with myself. And so I would go eat and pass out in my car waiting for my next meeting to start. And... Um, I, was, I came in that program pretty large, you know, but I quickly shot up another 30, 40 pounds and I, um, I started to complain. I said, ah, oh, this is weird. I, you know, I started to make the connection that I was like treating food like I was treating my drugs. Um, I started to complain about it and um, my sponsor said, well, you know, the best thing to do is just to finish your steps here and then you can venture off, you know, do whatever you need to do. And I kept complaining about it. And um, he said, well, you got to focus on whatever's going to kill you the quickest. Right around that time, I went to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, you're now classified as morbidly obese. You're pre-diabetic. You're at risk of heart disease. And you're having such a hard time breathing when you're sleeping that it's showing up in your blood. They figured out that I had sleep apnea based on the deformity in my blood cells or some sort of change in my blood um so that moment it became very clear to me that i was i was killing myself with food and i i couldn't wait for six more steps or whatever i had to i had to do it i had to i had to do something about it and um that's what led me to the rooms of oa i think i heard another fellow that's in both uh, fellowships talk about a weird experience with hershey's kisses and i related to that Mm -hmm. and i think she's the one that eskimoed me into the program if not it's Sounds like a good enough explanation to me. (laughs) Um, But I found my way to OA. Um, I went to meetings on the west side. A lot of very uh, pretty, skinny, attractive people and um, not a lot of 100-pounder variety types at that moment in time. And um, as far as I was concerned, there was nobody that was fat enough. There was nobody that was Black enough. There wasn't enough men. I used all those differences to sort of um, separate me from the group and be an observer as opposed to engaging in my recovery. So I sat around about six months, I heard those questions. You know, are you a compulsive overeater? Do you weird do weird shit with food, <laughs> pardon my language? Uh, you know, do you eat out of the trash can? Do you eat when you're not hungry? Do you eat burned food? Do you eat frozen food? You know, all that stuff. I heard enough to know that I was in the right rooms, but, I didn't really, um, I was focused on the differences instead of the similarities. And so I sat around, you know, I sat around eating. I used to love to go to the, uh, I can't think of the name of it uh, off the top of my head, but the one that used to be at the park in Beverly Hills. I used to love that meeting because it had the bangle shop on the way out (laughs) (laughs) on Robertson. (laughs) But um, eventually I found a sponsor, Jeffrey and um, I met with Jeffrey and I said, you know, he said, so what's going on? And he, um, I said, I'm not anorexic, I'm not bulimic, I don't do 10,000 calorie binges. I'm not this, I'm not that. And um, thank God for all the different varieties um, of disease in this program. And I don't say any of that to, to say that my disease is different or better. Um, it's all the same stuff. And thank God for all those anorexics and bulimics and 10,000 calorie bingers that I loved on me when I came in, I needed that. Um, he let me finish and he lovingly said, well, Rashad, you're the size that you are for a reason. It's clear that your body's getting more food than it needs. And that day I went on a tear. It started at a bagel shop in Santa Monica on Wilshire. And it ended at the Popeye's Chicken and Biscuits in South Central LA. And at two or three in the morning with all the rats, roaches, pimps, prostitutes, homeless people, and crack addicts, I sat there with my crack, buttered biscuits from Popeye's, eating them one after another in my car, couldn't even make it home three or four blocks to go back to my grandma's couch. I had to eat them right there in the street. Um, And if anybody knows that area, it's not an area where you just hang out in your car eating biscuits and shit at three in the morning. It's not the right move, not a smart move. And, um, you know, I sat there one after another with a head full of program and a belly full of white flour. And I sort of had my white light moment And and it really struck me that damn, like life is, this is unmanageable. And I conceded to my innermost self that I'm an alcoholic with food. And I went home, went and sleep on that couch and um, I woke up the next day and something was lifted. I'm one of these people that was struck abstinent. I don't know how that works. It's not my job to figure it out. I just came to meetings and I listened. So I think when people say, keep coming back, don't leave before the miracle happens, I think they're talking about stuff like that. You know, stick around long enough, and until a miracle happens, or until you're willing to do a little bit more than just sit around and listen. I think what helped me stay abstinent was working the steps, and having a sponsor in this program, and showing up to meetings, and taking commitments. And um, slowly but surely, I started dropping a ton of weight. Then I could buy clothes at regular places again. Then it wasn't really about the food or, or weight anymore. And it was about life and character defects and how to be a team player and how to be a man in a relationship. And I had so much my second time around the steps in this program. Um, I think the biggest thing was just like a closer relationship with my higher power, like a really strong proven belief that this stuff works and that my higher power can relieve me of my my drug addiction, my sugar addiction, my 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 need to be right the self-centeredness, the perfectionism the higher power really can, can do all this. And um, I've had a lot of sponsees in this program and not all of them make it through. That's unfortunate, but that's the truth. But um, I'm so grateful when I have somebody that's working it and going through the steps and it keeps me close to the to the work and to just be just to show up sometimes as being of service and, and to be you know, with your fellows as they're celebrating, and it's just such a miracle to be on the journey. Um, but yeah, the solution is in the steps. The biggest, uh, you know, the biggest thing I can say about like step three is that I turned my career over. Um, that was a really, really big crystal clear moment for me is that I basically, you know, had a conversation with my higher power, and I said, um, you know, I don't know what you want me to have, what you want me to do, but I can't be of service to myself and I can't be of service to this employer. So it's very clear to me that I'm not supposed to be here. And um, I turned it over and uh, I quit that job and um, I went and did some creative stuff for a while and somebody randomly called me for a job. (laughs) And uh, it was all the way down back in Orange County, the scene of the crime. My scene of the crime was everywhere really (laughs) from from LA to Atlanta, baby. I didn't want to go to the job interview and um, my sponsor said, well, why don't do you have a job right now? Isn't your money a little tight right now? Yeah. Why don't you just put on the suit and go see what they have to say? (laughs) So I put on my suit and I went went down there and I ended up getting the job and uh, they they extended me an offer doubling my salary. And that was a big deal. It's like a life-changing thing. And um, it was just a really crystal clear example. That's the job I still have today. And um, it was just like a really crystal clear example that my, my job today is exactly what I was, you know, anxiously reaching for seven, eight, 10 years ago. Right. And it's, I wanted to work remote and I wanted to make a certain number and I wanted to drop the salesy stuff that I didn't like and really focus on the part where I help people. And that's like, exactly the job that I have today. But I didn't know how to manipulate my way into that. I just did, I just came to program. I got abstinent and I, somebody was like, well, maybe you have to turn your job situation over to your higher power too. Wow. Step four and five is really transformative. I think my biggest thing there was, was letting go of my sad black American dad story. My sponsor told me, he said, what if whatever happened between your mom and your father before you were born is none of your business? Whoa holy, wow, that changes the game a little bit. So if I can forgive my dad or let go of whatever resentments that I have against my father that I had been harboring for 30 plus years, honestly, not much else really rocks me to that point, to that level. And like I talked about character defects, and I'm really grateful just for the practical, the practical tools of writing them down and looking at the opposite and, and um, just the message in the program about, hey, you know, your higher power can, that away from you too but it's on your higher powers time (laughs) and you know the best way to get a self-esteem is to do self you know do to do esteemable acts and to do contrary action And so there's practical tools in here and there's also the idea that you gotta really learn your higher power And you know that's where i'm at today a lot of that stuff you know comes up and um i have to you know i have to use the tools in the program to to really to work on that you know that perfectionism and me knowing what's right about whether we should work on site or not on site, how to deal with diversity and inclusion in the in the workplace and, you know, all that stuff, real life stuff. Um, The inventory is really cool, really, really important. Um, Whenever I feel really funky in this program, really wonky, as some people say, whether it be food or, or just life stuff. Step 10 is like one of the quickest tools for me to just like get right, get right back into in sync with program and in sync with my higher power. And just there's something about rigorous honesty uh, with another human being and preferably like another compulsive overeater that just it really relieves whatever I'm obsessing about. Um, And I'm doing a really poor job at step 11 right now. I used to have the most beautiful routine. (laughs) morning meditation and prayer and, and uh, all that stuff. And it's just not as consistent. And I, I can see how that shows up uncomfortably in my life today and uh, it's okay. My sponsor reminds me to be loving to myself about that. And, um, you know, the tools are there. I'm not supposed to use this program as a, as a way to beat myself up. And so the tools are there. I know how to use them. And, uh, I got on my knees this morning, <laughs> I got on my knees this morning for sure. And, uh, you know, step 12, just, just being, being present and being available and, and helping people get through this journey and taking commitments. And yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, a, it's an awesome journey. And so you guys really transformed me, helped save my life. Where I'm at today is shit is heavy. Man, there's so much going on in the world, but my life is so big and beautiful still um I was in a relationship with somebody in this program and so for many years I I didn't really articulate what was going on and and some of the discomfort that I felt um you know out of like I guess protecting that person and and just not airing dirty laundry in front of our mutual friends and stuff and um we broke up uh, at the top of the pandemic um and um and I didn't share about it then either, <laughs> you know, cause it was like, oh, don't wanna air any dirty laundry. And uh, I thought I was completely over that and all good. And then I randomly got a call from that person letting me know that they're dating somebody now that I would consider a friend and as a fellow in this program. Um, so all types of stuff has come up around that. And um, it's like, it's cool though. Like it's all good like romantically, I had my pandemic was okay. (laughs) And uh, I'm in a new uh, relationship now. And, and like, I'm genuinely happy for this person. Like, I want her to be happy and healthy and, and, you know, living her best life. So it's just weird how you know, certain phone calls can um, sort of bring up old or weird emotions. And thank God that I have sponsors and I can come share my truth without without being too specific and, and people pleasing and, uh, you know, let that energy go. And, um, I also got another random call today from some guy in Boston that I, that I didn't know said so he owed me an amends. <laughs> <laughs> some guy in Boston. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, when somebody calls you, to say they want to make an amends, you, you know, you make that return phone call and, uh, It was some guy that was like very early on in my sobriety journey that um we were like our sober buddies you know first year in um 12-step and everything and we were hanging out and i guess he decided that he wanted to continue drinking alcohol and um we were out somewhere he's like do you mind if i drink and i was like whatever dude and like i forgot all about that i don't even remember it i don't even remember but um it was a signal to me. It was like, damn, man, us addicts, like, we hold on to shit. I didn't even know this dude's name or where he was from or any of that stuff. Like, man, we hold on to stuff. But the positive side is like, wow, look at this dude. He's sober now. It's four years in making amends. Like, and then it came back to me. I remembered who he was and I was like, damn, it's awesome. I thought he was just one of these people that disappeared. Um, and um, my grandmother, who I mentioned quite a bit in my share today and, and has always been a big part of my life, just recently got diagnosed with a terminal illness. And um, my family, as you can imagine, what I described about the world that I came into, these types of situ- situations rock my family. You know, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of emotions and a lot of something and, and weird energy. And um, I get to show up without. Absorbing that energy without needing to control that energy, without having to eat over it. Uh, and, and just go through it and just feel the emotion, you know, just feel the emotion. I was um, parked and getting centered before I came into the meeting and I felt some, some anxiety. And I was thinking about, damn, back in the day, nice little sweet treat from Starbucks or a, a little joint would have taken the edge off. <laughs> And I was like, damn, but now like, I'm like six years removed from that behavior. And I just get to feel this, I get to feel these feelings. And, and this is my first meeting back in, uh, in person and in over a year and a half, like, wow. And I get to feel that emotion and thank you. I just get to feel that for what it is and, and, um, and just experience it and for its true self. And uh, as, as opposed to coming in high. <laughs> <laughs> wow it's it's a crazy thing It's a crazy thing to be on this journey for this long um what else is going on today my uh my job is good I still get this like imposter syndrome stuff that comes up imposter syndrome and program imposter syndrome at work and like man like the universe just keeps giving me back positive stuff my boss um my boss'll be a uh, Um, randomly set up a meeting and didn't really explain why she was setting up the meeting and so of course my head went to negative well they finally figured out (laughs) they finally figured out that i'm not the guy i said i was (laughs) it's time for me to pack my bags and go i hope i paid that credit card bill off last night (laughs) um and she um wanted to express my her gratitude for um when I'm contributing to the company in, in a big way and monetarily expressed, um, some gratitude as well. And it's, it's crazy, man. Life is good. Life is hard. Life is in session. I feel lonely. Sometimes my friend group in OA doesn't reach out as much as it used to. Um, some people felt like, I guess they had to draw lines or maybe they didn't, maybe that's just the way it goes. Like, I don't call as many people as I used to. <laughs> no It's not a personal thing. It's not an attack, but, um, I feel like we're back in this weird phase of like kind of like isolation and stuff like that, but thankfully I have a choice now and um I was reminded that on my way in light a candle is back in person now, so I can show up, maybe take a commitment <laughs> life is really good I'm so happy to be here uh, thank thank away thank God for OA and thank away for my understanding of god and and um and this stuff works and I'm I'm just happy to be present, imperfect and present, and here in the moment. I'll wrap. I'll wrap up there. I guess there's time for questions. <laughs> Does anybody have any questions hey. um I've got a question. You mentioned that you you veer into negative thinking. Uh huh. Um, so, how do you use program to veer uh, into positive? Yeah, it's tough. Thank you for the question. Um, the question was uh, how do you know what, what practical steps or what spiritual steps do I take to sort of uh, reverse that negative thinking? And um there's so many different ones. Thank you for the question. Um I'm not doing a great job of that right now, but. It just goes away it doesn't it doesn't sit there as, as long as it, you I, like i can't control the negative thoughts that come but like how i react to it i have the ability now to sort of to deal with that and um gratitude li- really help. gratitude list really helped me out prayer really helps me out when i get really negative i need to i know i need to use that tool of meditation and pause and and um, connecting with my sponsor connecting with a fellow just sharing sharing about it helping another person. Hoping another person really helps me get out of it. But honestly, even with the stuff that's going on with my grandma, like there's not really, my life is, is really going well. And there's just a lot of positive things going on. And, um, you know, I, it goes away. Some practical thing I do is I like to get in my car and take a drive, <laughs> clear my head. <laughs> Any other questions? Thanks, um, do you have a daily practice? Um, if I'm, the question is, do I have a daily practice? If I'm in my rhythm, my daily practice is to read the four today, meditate on that for about five minutes, get on my knees and pray. And, um, a 10 step, if I have stuff going on, you know, in the moment, I send my food every day. Uh, that's something I do consistently. Um, but yeah, just the basic stuff. Nothing, uh, nothing, um. Revolutionary, but uh, I'm not doing a great job in my daily routine, you know. And I can feel that I'm not really sad, but I can feel that sort of just kind of like existing, you know. There's, and I can feel really boring sometimes. There's like there's, there's no attack of a exciting high, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. But sometimes I can feel like sadness, but I'm I'm good. Any other questions? Thanks so much for your share. Um, and Do you still have alcohol to you or yellow light food? thank you. The question: Do my alcoholic food still call to me? Um, no. Yellow light on this program has a lot of time. The way that she sort of articulates it sponsor has me do red, uh, yellow, and it's either red. Mm -hmm. like in that groove right now of of, of, of going down that pathway, but really my are, are sugar and, uh, I have a lot of neutrality around that, but that doesn't mean that the food, like the choices don't get sloppy and the food doesn't get, uh, that my, that I don't get bigger sometimes, but like, I'm not like off the rails, like killing myself with food, driving to past food joints in the middle night and and obsessing about it and all that good stuff. So no, it doesn't really call to me. It doesn't really call to me. If if any food calls to me, it's a signal that that, that's probably not a yellow light, it's probably more of a red light food. And and that has happened over the six year period where I've had to turn new things over um, in the process. And usually if I share about that publicly in a meeting, or, um, and with my sponsor, I think, uh, we're, uh oh, wow, I <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so. So how do you- yeah, great question. I have a lot of time for questions. Today. It's probably a good thing. Um, the question is, um, how do I work? I work with my uh, um, sponsor worked with me. The only thing is I sponsored within like two different books at the same time. And what I found is a lot of my sponsees drop out. Before they get through, before they get through it. So I sort of do a condensed version where we just like work through one book. Um, um, not both the 12 and 12s. but um, primarily the way that uh, I was sponsored and the way that uh, I worked the steps is we work it out of the OA 12 and 12 and um, at some point we veer off uh, of that and go read the entire big book from page 0 to 164. Um, and then we come back into the OA uh, 12 and 12, right around the fourth step. And um, yeah, that's how we do it. OA 12 and 12, it's, it's an amazing piece of literature. Thanks. Any other questions? Can you talk a little bit more about your higher power, your relationship with your higher power, what is your personality? Sure. Uh, the question on the, on the floor is, uh, what is my relationship with my higher power? What is my higher power? um thank you for the question i don't get too caught up with that um i did go to a secular meeting and immediately i wondered if i was supposed to be at that meeting i was like oh man i I do have a higher power i do believe in god um i came in like a christian or actually i came in as an atheist (laughs) i came in confused (laughs) Uh, i came in uh too smart for God um and so I thought I was an atheist after reading the big book I learned that I was actually more agnostic and um but I was raised Christian and um I think what really clicked for me is just like I was all out of ideas and so when people told me to to pray or to to reach out to something for a higher power like I didn't put too much thought into that okay but that's going to help me not eat sugar today then all right so, I, you know, it, it never really has been too, too big of a thing for me, but there's certain things um, I definitely am confident that there's something going on. My, I would say that my higher power is like a universal energy, like something just pulling me in the right way, in the right direction, something that's, that's holding me and making sure that I'm taken care of. Um, I still pray some of my like old Christian prayers, you know, sometimes just out of habit um, or when I'm with other Christians and stuff like that. Um, but just like for me, higher power is just like knowing that I'm not, I'm not the higher power. Like I'm Rashad is not God. And just like simple things remind me of that, like going to the ocean and knowing that I can't control the waves or, um, just listening to how other people describe their higher power. One time a fellow told me the process of the 12 steps was his higher power. And I was like, damn, that's big. The group was my higher power at a a time. My sponsor was my higher power at a time now my higher power there's no there's no there's no um, there's no real human way to describe it but it's present it can relieve me of any addiction and uh i'm i'm taken care of because of my higher power and um that's all i really i don't i don't need to overcomplicate complicate more than that really so all right you. love you guys Thank you.